What's up, y'all? Welcome to Three Brothers and a Shot of Milk. We're talking superheroes, movies, TV, video games, cartoons, anime, action figures, comic books, and more. I'm Lawrence St. Victor. We got Jack Walker Pearson, Richard Wilson, Christopher St. Victor. Gentlemen, what's going on? How is your week? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you what are you buying, Chris? Because you always buy something. You know what? It's it's funny you guys say that because I bought Red Hood Unmasked. Wow. So I've had it's the McFarlane. Sponsor us, please. Uh yes. the gold label. Uh, the Red Hood with uh, no mask. So I have a couple of the Red Hood figures, but this is the only one I have with uh, Jason Todd's bare face. Nice. So he's not Red Hood if he's done got a Red Hood. He's just it, Robin, not Robin red, now. Red, red Hood is in your heart. In your heart, Jack. Come on. Come on, Jack. So well, disappointed speak, in you. Speaking of Red Hood, what I've been watching is Titans this week. Oh. Oh. Anyways, I started watching Titans this week. <laughs> Y'all been pumping it up so much. Now, I got to say, I haven't watched the first two seasons. I jumped straight into season three. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got mixed feelings on it so far. My disclaimer was you got to go into this like a what if scenario. A big what if scenario. A huge, like they're almost not the characters. Like what <laughs> if you kind of take these characters and kind of just do what you want with them? Pretty much. You have to go on with that. And hmm. and y'all said it last time, too, kind of fleetingly, but uh, <laughs> identities? What? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, they don't matter. It's like the Marvel Universe. We wear masks for no reason. <laughs> it's like any, even like the worst cop would know what's going on, let alone villain. Anyways, yeah. not to get into it, but that's where I've been at this week. We'll get into that later. Nice. Nice. Rich, what's up with you? And I've been, oh, I got into Aliens uh, audiobooks. I mm. went to my Audible and started seeing what was for free because I'm not paying for the tokens. Um, but yeah, I, I started on the Convergence, or I'm sorry, the um, first one, Origins. Uh, the, 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 I'm forgetting the, what was the name of the movie? The first Aliens movie? Aliens? Um, the, the remake. Prometheus. Covenant. Covenant. Oh, Covenant. Covenant Origins, because there's Covenant Origins, then there's Covenant. So I think well, I started with Origins because that's like the beginning of it. And it's actually the beginning of like Prometheus. It's like a whole story, even with Aliens and you know the whole, the films, there's like a whole story behind everything, like little details, which I love. Mm. And yeah, I'm, I'm on I'm on Origins right now and I'm, I'm pretty digging it. A lot of uh, corporate espionage. Mm. They, they go in the films. Yeah, they go into the whole, the whaling, um, the Whaling Corporation, Whaling Utani Corporation, excuse me. And yeah, there's a whole lot of esp- espionage going on, a little uh, backstabbing and whatnot, kidnapping. But uh, so far, it's pretty good. Um, I also bought this little guy. This is uh, All oh. for One, McFarlane All for One. With the, I'm looking for the, the first one where he's, uh, before he gets uh, mutated with the arm. Uh, that one's kind of hard to find right now, but this is the second one, right? And he's Can looking. Can you describe this disgusting Joe. thing you're showing us? He has. <laughs> okay, this, anyone's familiar with My Hero Academia? All for One is the the main villain, and his power is pretty much taking everyone else's quirks. He takes everyone else's powers and 
puts it to, brings it to himself. And also, he can redirect it to, us, to someone else. He can give other people. And does he put everyone else's power in his right arm exclusively? No, this, this is this this was a, from someone else's power that let him uh, power up his arm to be this kind of Akira-looking monstrosity. And man, he has no he has no eyes. He has the mask that's busted up, that's busted open, as you can see, and it's pretty dope. I mean, McFarlane is really killing it with the toy game, and this arm, you know, he's, as you heard, this thing has freaking weight to it. This arm is just like. Does massive. it stand well because it, of that it, arm? It, he kind of lopsides. He probably rests on his knuckles. I mean, it looks like his arm is made out of like ground beef. It's very beefy. Very beefy. That's what she said. Whoa, whoa, whoa! But um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Standing, I'm just holding the base, and it kind of leans a little bit. But, that's but you sick. know, as long as you don't mess with it and move it too much. It's not a toy to be played with. It's not a toy his to be played with. His arm is as large as his body. Just it about pretty much is. Uh, yeah, they got some sharp pieces there. He shouldn't be playing with this either. But yes, yeah, it's pretty dope. Yo, what nice is this shirt you're flashing us with? Yes, Rich again with the shirt game. Oh, my man, this is uh, this is one for all. Yeah, my man, all my. But this is when he's in his uh, uh powered down form, so spitting up some blood. Nice. He always you spits know? up blood when he's powered down. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. injured. He hasn't been released, huh? Yeah. It's part of his injury. It is. Dope. Dope. Guys, me, I've been watching, you know, I've been watching the old Batman 1966 series. Yeah. Just because oh. I, I want to go back and check it out. And Chris, I think um you probably should throw this on with Sebastian because it's, it's really great. And they knew it was a parody when they did it. And Batman is so pliable that he can, like, fit the darkest of stories or the silliest of stories. But they're like mad things that don't hold up. Like, <laughs> there's, it's just a whole, it's awful. But there, and there's a scene where the three of them are in the Batmobile, and Batgirl doesn't know their identities, so like she can't know the location of the Batcave, and they kind of wake up in the Batcave. So they get in the Batmobile, and Batman is like, Batgirl, I have to spray you so you don't know the location of the Batcave when we drive out of here. You have to fall asleep. She's like, okay, Batman, and he sprays her. He roofies her. And, and, and she sleeps. And Robin's like, you know, Batman, I didn't realize this, but Batgirl's real pretty when she sleeps. Wow. <laughs> and, and Batman is like, well, I think that's a sign of your manhood coming upon you. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening here? There's like mad, real inappropriate things in that show. But aside from that, I think, I think Sebastian will love it, Chris. Because yeah. it's bright enough and fun enough, and it's so good. The colors, the costumes, the Batmobile, everything is just, it's like one giant playset. It's dope. And the, the villains are so campy. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm going to let you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on and see if, see if he takes to it. I'll, 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 I'll give you guys the feedback. Dude, Thanks. I mean, that was my way into Batman. You know, uh, for those who don't know, the 66 series came out, and then we got another one in 1989. So That's for a while. one, Rich. That's the Adam West one, Rich. Yeah, I got that. I That's the Adam West one, Rich. <laughs> so that Batman has been our Batman for a while. We got the 89 Batman, which is the Michael Keaton one. That's the Rich. Michael Keaton one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I've been up to. Um, All right. What does a superhero put in his drink? I don't know. What does a superhero put in his drink, Lawrence? Justice. <laughs> Just ice. 
<laughs> Sorry to say, just ice. Wow. Just oh, ice. Wow, that's, that's Justice. Really funny. And Get moving it? on. And here we go to the collector's corner. Show and tell time. The collector's corner. We grab something from our toy chest, from our bookshelves. We show it off. It can make. It can. It can be. Uh, it can be like Jack's collection. It may be worth millions of dollars, or it can be something very sentimental. It doesn't even matter. It's your item, guys. What do you have? Let me go first. Flash Year One. First Ooh. book I read cover to cover with my son. He sat through the whole thing over really over a week's period of time but well, still yeah. yeah he liked it so what do you think it was cool i mean i never heard of the turtle before but um he's like the opposite of flash where he slows down time but it was all right yeah yeah what they call that the, the force had a name to it it was like the still force or something something like that it was okay i mean yeah. it wasn't a compelling it was decent it was decent nice but then you, you know you see him suited up at the end and stuff like that so it's pretty cool he Man. runs really slow this villain he does, he does. <laughs> <laughs> rich what you got well to go with what we're going to be talking about in the show um i got uh this little bad boy right here this little pops Boom. Ripley. It's Ripley in the Exo Loader. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Power Loader. And it's a Pops. It is pretty dope. I was pretty hyped to have it. And uh, I wish I could have like a Queen Alien so I could put it in the in the, the pincers. Do they make Do they make the Queen Alien pop? They actually do. I need to find it. Oh, it's shoot. Like a, it's like a six, six inch pop. Oh, wow. That's pretty dope. That's pretty dope. Jack, what you got? Uh, my show and tell item today is I'm showing off my, and I really probably should have showed this off when we talked about the what if episode number four, but I'm showing it off now. Doctor Strange number one. Whoa. Hmm. Jack. Okay. I didn't know you had all this stuff. Yep. This is Doctor Strange number one. It's not his first appearance. That comic would be significantly more value, uh, but it is a pretty dope comic. I'll take some pictures of it. I know you can't see how much is it worth. That's what me and Rich just want to know how much is that bad boy worth? Uh, yeah. This guy's probably only a few hundred bucks or so. A few hundred bucks. Just not. This guy has like 30, 30 issues that are just a few hundred bucks. <laughs> it is pretty dope. It is pretty dope. And what's cool about it is um, you can see he's fighting some giant tentacle creature that's coming out of something, which is probably one of the things he absorbed in that. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So it's pretty yeah. dope. Pretty dope little comic. Um, and really, my timing of uh, sharing it is poor. I should have shared this earlier. But I'm nah, sharing man. it now. You're keeping Doctor Strange in rotation. Did you have that growing up, or you hunted for that as an adult? No, I got that within the last five years. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good find. Good find. Uh, for me, guys, um, this is really something from Christian's collection, my son. I feel like you got to raise these kids up, right? So... During our baby shower before he was born, a friend of ours gave us these books. He's destroyed them since then, so we've bought other copies. But these are some of Christian's books. And so for you parents out there who want to raise up your kids right, you should get them some of these books. So I have these books. This one's called Good Morning Superman. And nice. has a little black kid on the cover that looks like Christian a little bit. And it's pretty much about like waking up in the morning, getting ready for school, simultaneously seeing like Superman starting his day, which I think is a lot of fun. And then I have a uh, bedtime for Batman. 
So pretty much as he goes to sleep, the Cape Crusader, you know, rises to take down the villains at night. So much fun. And the artwork is great. I mean, it's just really fun. They're, they're hardcover. You can get these at, uh, I think, Barnes & Noble or, or Amazon. Then yeah. I have a Sweet Dreams Supergirl, very similar to Goodnight Batman getting ready for bed as Supergirl goes off. The even superheroes need to rest, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I have a Be A Star Wonder Woman. which is pretty much actually going to school and overcoming odds at school. What's really great about these books is Wonder Woman's Spanish, Supergirl's Asian, Superman one's black, and then the Batman's one's white. So you can really grab a book that you identify with, which I think is great. And hopefully they'll come out with some more that will cover some other cultures. But it's so much fun to read these to your kid because even though they're children's books, you kind of get a kick out of them reading them. It's so much better than like Baby Shark or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's a real thing, man. I, I'm not a parent, but talking to my friends who have kids, you know, you got to consume so much content. It's really nice when the content you're consuming for the kid is something you can get off on too. Jack, you have no idea. Like, like literally every time Chris talks about the Flash, reading the Flash, watching the Flash, because Sebastian's at that point, I'm like envious. Like, dude, I'm just trying to get out these nursery rhymes. I can't wait. So I can put on a Batman cartoon, even if it's one of them little kitty cheesy ones, because at least it's like we can connect on it. So these books are great for you parents out there. Uh, I was reading this to my son when he was like, it was like a bit his bedtime story before he can understand it. And we still read it to him now. There's so much fun. Um, but that's the collector's corner. Goodbye to the collector's corner. Yes. And since this is a look back, we do things a little different here. This is where we get into the debate. Let's get ready to run. Okay, guys, here is the debate. Because like Aliens, which I thought was, you know, I didn't ever see the Alien movies until now, so I'm not going to try to come off like I know everything. But from what I do know, the fact that James Cameron, who went on to become the best filmmaker of all time, arguably, took over... The movies from Ridley Scott, who's also one of the best filmmakers of all time, is pretty amazing. You kind of get this in the beginnings of what would this prolific director do with another prolific director's material? So I want to ask you guys a question. What superhero movie would you like to see a director uh, take on? I better go first. Um, (laughs) And I actually said this in a, a previous episode differently, though. I would put James Cameron at the helm of the Superman movie and see what happens. What do you think he would bring to it? Heart. Mm. Um, I think he'd bring heart to the film and he wouldn't lose the action of the film. Because if there's one thing James Cameron has in spades, it's um, he takes a lot of time to try to identify the moral compass of his characters and the heartbeat of them. And I feel like that was in a deficit with how some of the Superman content has been handled lately and some of the characters in it. There's been a, yeah. a lack of empathy towards what it is to be a hero. And I think he'd find that in spades. Would you choose, so you would choose Cameron over Spielberg for Superman? Yeah. Oh, why? Spielberg is probably one of the, the single greatest directors of all time. For those who don't know, we're talking about just the best directors of all time going up against the best directors of all time. So like one over the other doesn't mean one's not good. (laughs) They're, they're all amazing. Yeah. To me though, Spielberg is a little more, I mean, Spielberg is Spielberg's portfolio is about as diverse portfolio as you're going to find. But Mm. I feel like some of what has happened with Spielberg, I've seen happen with, 
the trajectory of actors as they've matured in their careers. They kind of really start leaning heavily towards one thing that they do really well. And I don't know if it's because they get pigeonholed in that or it just becomes comfortable or the paycheck for that's really nice. And Spielberg, to me, has kind of leaned into what he's known for. He's almost mm-hmm. an icon that that does these specific iconic things now. Whereas Cameron, to me, is still a little more, I mean, he's equally iconic, he's equally big, but he's a little more flexible in his content to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could be full of just BS and complete off the mark, but I feel like Cameron knows how to do these humongous projects and yeah. not sacrifice the content of a humongous project based off of the budget that comes attached to these things, which changes mm-hmm. the scope of how you do things. For and he's sure. got a cinematic eye. He knows how to tell these stories. He knows how to get the. He knows how to get you involved and off your seat. You know, his and world so, building is uh, crazy. He knows how to build a world. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 And I, d- I don't think that there's a Superman film that Cameron makes where Jimmy Olsen gets shot in the face in the beginning of it simply because hey he's jimmy olsen and we can do some stuff with the supporting characters i don't think cameron ever lets that choice happen i think it's fantastic james cameron can literally direct everything like there's no i mean there's no debate against that one and like and like you just said he's someone who has in the past taken over big films that were successful and he's found a way to elevate the material further so i feel like he's He's it's already something he's really good at on top of just being really good at what he does. Yeah. Rich, what about you, man? So I would pick James Gunn uh-huh. and just to piss Chris off, I want him to direct Batman 89. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's, that's blasphemy. Two Why? Wait, explain, explain, explain. Because I, I feel that he'll bring just a different air than Tim Burton, which will be well received. All right. Um, I mean, a little bit of comedic flair in there, you know what I'm saying? Where, 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 where Tim Burton tried to go with it, James Gunn will succeed with it. Can yeah. can I can I ask a question? Is you the can nature ask is the nature of the debate not who we'd rather see direct a film, but who we'd want to see take over a franchise that's been established? So he'd really be directing the sequel, not the original. So he wouldn't be directing eighty nine. He'd be directing. The next Michael oh, Keaton, the Penguin one, Batman. So do you still oh. hold to that? Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I like to, I would like to see him the, go. It's Batman. in the vein of what Aliens is. Right. Someone's taken over the mantle. Okay, then I would like to see him do a Batman. I think you, I think you'll do a good job with a Batman. I mean, he already, he already's in the DC universe as it is. So, mm-hmm. playing. I, with I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that one though. James Gunn's incredible. I, I ain't asking. <laughs> Rich, well, this is the debate. Stop doodling on this. Here's why. Here's why I feel like James Gunn might not be the best choice for someone like Batman. There's so many things that can find that content. There's more uh, There's more structure. There's more expectation of the content. There's more rules engaged. There's more things you're not going to be able to do with Batman. James Gunn is strutting with all this content, Suicide Squad, Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's a little more looser. They're letting him get away with murder. They're letting him do whatever he wants. They're not going to let him do that with Batman. I don't Batman. think he'd want to direct the Batman. He wouldn't want that's to. That's what I'm saying. There's not yeah. the freedom. There's not the same the freedom. Right tone for Batman. Well, that's the other thing. Well, maybe if it's a 60s throwback kind of tone, where it's a little more campy and you can get away with the humor. James Gunn is great with humor. He's great with dark humor. And he's great with rhythm. And he's great with 
these outrageous, outlandish characters, Batman's a little more. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm sure, he could do it. I well, think I James Gunn. I think he can direct a great Batman movie. I don't know if he. I have a hard time seeing him jumping in the Burton verse and taking over that universe. But I think if he created a Batman movie, and the focus probably couldn't be on Batman, it might focus on like Nightwing or Robin or the villains or some some other angle. But he's a great director, so he can do a Batman. But I don't know. I have a hard time seeing what he would be doing in that universe, Rich. But you know, yeah, I'm with you, man. Let's see, let's see, let's give him a shot. Just give him the paycheck. Let's do it. Um, my choice paycheck. is, I think. I don't think there's a this director is so suited for this these movies. I don't think there's a better director out there you can give a superhero movie to. I am taking the Suicide Squad and I'm giving it to Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, dude, like that dialogue and that that throw that Tarantino ness on it with the music and the bloodshed with Suicide Squad. I wouldn't mind seeing him jump into that actually, but I wouldn't want to take away. The sequel was great. Like I wouldn't want to erase what Gunn did. In the no, sequel. the same way Gunn picked up from Air Tarantino. There's only like three of them left at the end of this one. So East Suicide Squad will establish a new team with some of the old teams. So it can kind of be that this new adventure and the, the style just changes with each movie. And Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs, it Pulp Fiction, it, but just Harley Quinn and oh, dude, didn't he want to do Blade at one point? Tarantino, I knew he wanted to yeah, do like. Yeah. I think so I think he wanted to get superhero movies. I would love it if it's right. I think I oh, I think Tarantino would kill Blade because he would jump on he would play around with that 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 black exploitation 70s era Blade that he came out of and he would like put his own spin on it which he does with like Jackie Brown and all that stuff. Tarantino Suicide Freaking Squad. You know Tarantino would need a a hard R whatever he's touching. And it's Blade, Suicide Squad. That's what I'm oh, saying. Blade. Blade. It would work. It would work in that in Blade. That. It might be too stylistic for Blade. Blade needs a. I think the Blade movie needs to kind of have a timeless setting. It doesn't want to be so stylistic that it's going to be placed. But something like Suicide Squad in Tarantino, I, I do think you've hit a home run with that idea. That would That's be a ball. That's so much fun. And the dialogue would be so great. And they'd be talking about like cheeseburgers as Harley Quinn's just murking everybody. It's kind of not even debatable. Like that's such a, <laughs> it's honestly such a good one because Suicide Squad has already gone through different directors. And it's like, yeah, why? It would why work. Not? It would just be the it's progression. Like of the Warner progression. Brothers, why have you not hit up Tarantino to do your next well, And maybe they have. Lawrence you know, check. You know, he's, he's pretty picky. He is picky. And he really all filmmakers do but he really loves filmmaking doesn't he only have like one or one or two films that he said he's gonna do before he's opting he said he's only doing 10 and then he's opting out entirely he's 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 just about done he's just about done so we'll see we'll see chris what you got so i'm picking two two franchises a director and a franchise that are controversial michael bay for gi joe because I think it'll it'll work it'll match well with just explosions upon explosions upon explosions and that might give us what we've been missing. But then give us too much that's a lot of bay. <laughs> is that a wrong though? In that No, way, it's perfect. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's just Well, hang on. I, I don't I don't necessarily I'm not necessarily on board I'm not taking anything away from Bay, but I'm not necessarily on board that. Who would be the better G.I. Joe director? Who would be the definitive, I want to see this guy do G.I. Joe? 
Like, I, mean, I want to see the Saving Private Ryan version of G.I. Joe where it feels like real-world consequences. I do not want to see the Saving Private Ryan version of G.I. Joe. Okay. Man, I want to see... You don't just <laughs> shut up. Like, <laughs> I want to see the Full Metal Jacket bang, version bang, of bang. No, Jack, we don't want to see the... We don't want to see the consequences in G.I. Joe. I want to see Martin Scorsese direct no. G.I. Joe. No. No, that's that's not GI Joe anymore. That's GI Joe doesn't like, have the content to support a, a, a director like Scorsese. Oh, uh, Joe is super lighthearted. Terrorist organization wants to take over the world. That's not simple that's stuff. Not from Scorsese, that's from Michael Bay. That's I'll tell you, Michael Bay at GI Joe. Dude, I got it. James Wan, man. James that's Wan. That's what I was thinking. That's not who you were thinking. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> that's literally who I was thinking <laughs> what James Wan has done with the Conjuring movies of elevating that genre and what he did with Aquaman by like taking something that should have been like a nothing and making a billion dollar franchise James Wan would just do what that's Michael what Bay would do but add that's what I'm talking about that's exactly not what you're what talking about, about at no, all you want to save in Private Ryan yeah 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 the other you want a full metal jacket though, you want yeah 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 but you know what they need to do they need to do exactly what they did with the aquaman movie and cast a damn badass in it the only reason that aquaman movie was anything was because uh uh momoa is just well and, and jack you have to know something um james wan did not cast jason momoa that was Zack snyder who cast jason momoa as aquaman listen FYI. we all get we all hit a home run every now and again <laughs> And I'm not, listen, I'm not funny. I'll say this. Look, 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 look. Hold up, hold up. Hold up. Zack Snyder, just to set the record straight, is go. an incredible director. He is. I can't never that tell was, if he's being sarcastic or not. That was it. Why would I be being sarcastic? Snyder's an incredible director. Venom is an incredible film. Okay, there okay, it is. There we there hit our check boxes. Right. Oh, I think we can move on. Um, Wait, real quick. Tarantino was thinking about doing a uh, Luke Cage film. That would have been dope. Be, yeah. That'd be perfect. Almost as perfect as Suicide. <laughs> Good choices, guys. I'm not sure about James Gunn doing a Batman 89 uh, spinoff and Chris, Michael Bay. Do we need Michael Bay doing G.I. Joe? I, I feel like we've, we've seen how, it. How do we not need Michael Bay doing it? Because it's just going to be explosions. And nah, which was the right. explosions? Of, and oiled of up all muscles. All suggestions of a, a director to take over a franchise. Chris, you have failed this one. You have, which isn't taking anything yeah, yeah. away from Michael Bay. It's look, just it's a look, hat and a hat. Let me tell you one thing about Michael Bay. Michael Bay running. gives you what he promises. When you, see, when you want Michael Bay, you get shootouts, explosions, and car chases. Did you guys see that, that Ryan Reynolds movie on Netflix, the Michael Bay joint? Oh, I didn't know how many times trash. you could flip a car. <laughs> Your car like <laughs> oh my gosh oh man like I'm, uh, hey and i and i like michael bay i i enjoy pain and gain i love the first transformers film no knock to michael bay but i don't i i don't know man i think gi joe is just too much adrenaline he's gonna add more he's gonna put gasoline on kerosene we don't need it we don't need it's it already <laughs> flammable it's That's already flammable chris. chris it's already gonna don't. explode we need more <laughs> like don't Man, okay. <laughs> He's going to sit there and editing like, you know what we need? Another explosion. Another explosion. But That's it's already an explosion. Put it on top of the explosion. Oh, an explosion within an explosion's explosion. Uh, but explosion I, I, I'll say this. I'll say this. If you get Michael Bay to direct G.I. Joe, you bring back The Rock as the lead, that movie works. But you put The Rock in anything, it kind of it's going to sell at least. I tell you, the more you talk about it, the more it makes sense. 
He's a very charismatic <laughs> specimen. Yes, he is. He is. And can you imagine what would happen if you had The Rock and Idris Elba in this film? What? Rich. Wow, Rich wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and neither would I, because I love The Rock and Idris. So we, we don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> great talk, guys. Great talk. Great sort of debate. Uh, let's move on. Let's move into why we're here, right? Let's move into why we're here. I think it's time for some fun facts about this movie before we do our deep dive. Rich, hit us with some fun facts about aliens, man. Fun facts. Aliens. Well, Chris will like love this one. Um, the factory scene in Tim Burton's Batman '89, right? Yeah. Okay. The factory scene was actually a leftover scene from Aliens when they went into the nest and actually freaked out the cast because a lot of the props were still up and they went through this like alien background that freaked that freaked them out. So that's all that is still there when they filmed the Batman scene. Oh. Six years later. Six it is. years later. That's crazy. Three years later it just sat. Uh the actors, they actually have to be space soldiers or the space marines, they actually train with real marines so mm. that they can know what they're doing with handling weapons. Even though um, How much of that translated? Yeah, even though <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> even though even though um Rodriguez, uh the 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 actor that played Rodriguez, she could not hold a gun correctly, a handgun correctly, so they had to use a double for her. Even really? with that training, which what? is weird. Yeah, How just to hold the gun, just to hold the gun. Like I, I guess I did the few scenes where she was holding the handgun. I guess they needed a a a, 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 a stand-in for that. But it would take you five minutes to learn how to hold the gun. How come you don't so, learn how to hold? Some so people whoa, are don't disrespect the men and women who serve. Wait, what? It may take a while to learn how to hold the gun correctly, but Thank I you, will Lord. say That's what I was at. yes. But I will say the fact that better, they're better, better tread lightly here. <laughs> No, but I will say this. I mean, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, Jason, uh, who's on The Punisher, who, who played a guy who served, there's, you know, and he'll talk about the combat and the way you hold the gun. There's something so specific about that where it can't look civilian at all. And even if she yeah. knows how to hold the gun, but it's not coming off like a Marine, you know, I, I can see what in this world, I would say, like, What's your version of the Marines? You're not actually a Marine here, but I, I guess I can see how, unless you really just did not know how to hold it or scared of it. What? What? what when is it? Well, this movie set in like 2166 or something like that? I think. Oh so. no, no, no! I'm thinking of. Sorry, I'm thinking of Matrix. <laughs> I'm thinking of Matrix. This is set way into the future. Yeah, way in the future. Um, what else you got, Rich? Uh, okay, the creepy derelict ship from Alien. Mm-hmm. It's also in this one, and they had to they had to go and find a collector named Bob Burns, who just so happened to have the original model, and they were able to get it from him and use it for this movie. Right, because keep in mind the first movie was nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, yeah. So we're looking at seven years later, and they didn't plan to do a franchise, so they were like, yeah, so they sell all this off. stuff, auction the stuff. Wow. Um, I'm sorry. Correction. Vasquez was the was the Marine's name. Oh, who can I hold uh, the gun? Who can the hold girl. Vasquez. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Vasquez. Also, speaking of guns, Sigourney Weaver didn't want to use a gun, and Cameron had to talk her into it. That's why they built her he, the exoskeleton suit. Yeah. They talked her. He talked her into the uh, using it. Um. Also, had her go to uh, go to a range, in which she got into using guns. Did she not use they a got, gun in the first one? No. No. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, first one's a horror film. 
The second right. one's the action. Like I don't. Were there guns in the first one? I don't think so. Well, they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared to fight. Yeah, right. They, they, they were. They were. They were. Um. Oh no, there, there was one gun. The captain had a gun. But um, or I think he might have a flamethrower. But no, they because they were just um, they were like a um, a salvage group pretty much. Mm. Uh, what else did we get here? Uh, there was a mutiny. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Cameron had to quash a mutiny on set. They were they filmed it in England in the historic Pinewood Studios, and the un, the unionized crew weren't used to working 14 hour days. Uh, and they didn't have the same vision as Cameron. And since the Terminator, which hasn't come out yet, <laughs> they didn't understand like where he was going with this or how how good of a director he was. So the first assistant director that he had. Uh, pretty much would mock him and call him governor and roll his eyes and so on and so forth. So uh, he eventually fired him for his insubordination and got himself a uh, someone who had some more act right. You know, there's something interesting about that because, you know, there's actually a strike going on right now to get the days. Industry now pretty much does 12-hour days is the standard. And obviously we do 16-hour days. It's just crazy hours that make people do. But there's a strike going on right now to make the standard 10-hour days instead of 12-hour days. So the fact that he went overseas, they're shooting with people that are like, what are you talking about? A 14-hour day? What are you, crazy? There's no life. It's it's really rough sometimes. Yeah, are, yeah. are you guys, are you unionized here? You guys are in union, right? In California, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, union. okay. And so the uh, union yeah, is going on strike. Yeah, that's because I said, I don't know if I said it, but the, the crew over there at the time was unionized. So I definitely get that because we're union too, where I work at. And, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh, wait a second, it's lunchtime. I'm not doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, a whole lot of KY jelly was used on the set. All the slime and drool that you saw, hey, hey, hey. KY jelly. All the lube. <laughs> they had all the lube that day. I wonder how one goes to make a massive order of lube. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'll say this. Here's the fun thing. Uh, it's completely unrelated. When uh, Rock of Ages, before it went on Broadway, it was off Broadway, um, and I was a part of that. Uh, my buddy V, Lawrence, you know V. V. Did he <laughs> pull a knife out on me? Yeah, in school, he pulled a knife on you. He was uh, like the head head guy for Rock of Ages, and he had to go get a giant blow-up sex doll for the show. And when he's and, and placing the order, he said was pretty interesting, but carrying the doll back to set was even more interesting. So, yeah, imagine ordering buckets of lube. <laughs> Hello, sir. We need some KY jelly. How much do you need? All of it. Okay, yeah, but you know, how much do you need? I also say it's probably not it. that weird, though. I mean, consider uh, LA is a big porn place so there's probably just cases and cases flight but if this was shot in anyways this is this is a rabbit hole we don't need to go down <laughs> nope list uh, of fun facts <laughs> i got two more uh conan destroyer helped uh, get alien made uh mm. the terminator was in pre-production so again no one saw the vision of james cameron so they saw that um the the conan movie and they were like ah we'll make that happen because conan was uh, a hit 1982. Wait, uh, Cameron directed Conan? Yes. I did not know that. Wow. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Last one. Uh, 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 uh. We're talking money. Sigourney Reaver only got $35,000 on the first film. On this one, she made a million. Adjust that for inflation. That's a good paycheck. Both are good well, paychecks. It's not inflation. It's also the success of the first one. Like I said, yeah. the first one was this sci-fi horror. It was totally different film, totally different genre. But I need our audience to know, like, it's not thirty-five thousand two thousand twenty-one dollars. 
1979 is yeah, a big, is, is a nice paycheck. Of course, but it's not. And that million dollars for the sequel in 2021 would have been like, I don't know, 30 million or whatever, 25 million. And um, to add on to that, she also got a percentage of the profits. Um, and then for part three, she had 4 million. And for resurrection, she got 11 million. Nice. Nice. Way to come up. Great, man. Awesome fun facts. I think it's time for the main topic. It's time, time for, for the, the main, main event. event. All right. We're talking aliens, guys. I'm going to go really quick with this recap. Pretty much Ripley wakes up from stasis in an abandoned ship. She gets rescued. She just she doesn't realize how much time has passed. Her daughter grew up and died. She's pretty much alone. And they pretty much get wind that there's this planet where they have the, the xenomorphs, right? They're called xenomorphs. The aliens are there. And they've actually built a colony there. And pretty much the colony gets wiped away. There's a little girl trapped there. And they figure out, oh, she's right. Because she tries to tell them, you guys need to get out of there. There's aliens there. But the whole bureaucracy won't believe her. The the the, the soldiers, politicians, whatever they are, they won't believe her. But then those people get abducted. Holy crap, we need to go in and stage a rescue mission or at least destroy these things. She goes back. Crap ensues. Only the little girl survives from her family. They get her and then they're pretty much a race against the clock to get off this place before it explodes. Because as they were going down there, something got ruptured and the whole place has to blow up. Just about everybody dies with the exception of about four of them. That includes the robot bishop. Uh, they pretty is uh, Ripley goes. She destroys the cave with the eggs in it. She sees the queen. The queen goes after her. She thinks she's gonna die. The whole plan, like the whole area, is blowing up. Ship comes down. The android saves her. They fly off. They're safe until they find that the queen is still in the ship. The epic showdown with the um the air. What's that called? The um the air the thing in the plane where you had airlock. The airlock is open. The alien flies out. Ripley survives. They fly on. They're all safe. Less images of this new mother and daughter. Pretty much a recap of Aliens. Guys. Man. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Uh, what do you think? Jack, did this movie hold up? No. I think the original might, though. But this, the, this one... I don't think holds up for what it was when it came out. Man, I remember watching the movie. It was dope. It was incredible. And the toys, this launched a million amazing toys. Does it hold up? I don't think so. Now, when you say the original, you mean like the novel? No, I mean the movie without the S. Oh, Alien. Okay. Look at you. What? I mean, there's a novel. novel. You're so so into it. (laughs) There's a book, bro. You know, I don't read. Um, Rich, does it hold up? As much as it pains me. No, it doesn't hold up. Because you but recommended still, this. But I still enjoy it. <laughs> I watch it. I watch it several times a year. Like at random throughout the year. I just, I just put it on. I, I still have a good time watching it. It doesn't hold up, but I still love it. Shut up. That's fair. It's fair, I mean, that's man. Very fair. There are a lot of well, crap movies that I enjoy to watch. <laughs> so Lawrence, Lawrence is- does this movie hold up for you? <laughs> um no. Guys, I have to say, I've never seen an Alien or Aliens movie except for Alien versus Predator. So I'm coming into this as not like a look back. This is my first time seeing it. I have no nostalgia. I have no expectations, no rose-colored glasses here. And although I can understand why this movie was amazing for its time, James Cameron is one of my favorite directors. It was really hard watching this movie as a first-timer without any like nostalgia. 
Like, I don't have an affinity towards Alien or the movies at all. Like, I, for some reason, I just missed it as a kid. My parents didn't watch it. Rich, you ain't put me on to it as a kid. Like, I, don't, I missed it somehow. So watching I mean, this. It was one of those movies that I wasn't even supposed to be looking at at the time. Like, it's too real. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it. It was weird because I, I didn't miss... I, I didn't miss a lot of things. I didn't miss Terminator when it was like on TV all the time in the 80s. Like there's things I caught, but for some reason I missed this. And it's one of those things I don't think you can get back once you miss it. And I had a hard time with this movie, guys. So let's jump in. But whether you saw it or not, the question of whether it holds up, like I know the experience I had watching it. And, and what I really remember was the marketing campaign that preceded and followed the movie with the toys that came out like the toys for that film i had to have as a kid i don't even remember the toys like that i was just on a i don't know what else was what is this 1986 i think so i don't know what i was on at that point that took my attention away from the phenomenon this was but i must have been on he-man or back to the future or just just going in just in a completely different direction. Well, I mean, also you were what four, so it wasn't really content. Right, it wasn't content appropriate, but I still was watching Terminator like crazy. Yeah, I mean, my parents were a little more uh, loose as far as all that was concerned. So liberal, <laughs> we'll use the word liberal. They were sure. whatever we want to use. So, um, and, and I don't, you know, honestly, I don't even. I probably didn't watch it when it first came out as I was a kid, no. but I definitely watched it when I was a kid. Yeah, and I remember yeah. having the, the, there was a big toy line for them and that played, you know, toys for kids pay dividends for the experience that kids going into. I want to watch it because yeah. the toys are cool and yeah. Ripley's exoskeleton suit, which I thought is so badass, is, which I think is really cool to see how that, evolve for Cameron when we finally get to Avatar. You know, we get a real exoskeleton suit, you know? Did she have anything like that in part one? An exoskeleton? Because the exoskeleton suit, I remember that vividly, the visual of it, just because it became a mainstay in pop culture. Yeah. Um, So I remember elements of that just because I'm like, I know I've seen this before. I can't Um, stress how much the first one is a sci-fi horror film. What does that mean? You can action. still have an exosuit in a sci-fi horror film. They're still no, fighting the not, aliens. It's not an action. Everything about the sequel that didn't hold up for me is the content was shifted its genre. And so Into there's action. explosions. There's well, The dialogue is different. It's trying to have humor and levity. It's not in the first mm-hmm. film. The first Let film me- is this claustrophobic experience that awakens to a horrific reality. You know, And I think and I want to watch the first one because I think that's where the first one holds up because we can still relate to that feeling of a monster in the house. Like that, that, that trope is used in everything horror. If you lean on action too hard, then yeah, your effects or whatever you have, your models may not evolve if the story is not there. One of the points I want to bring about that happened right in the beginning, which was even hard for me to get behind, someone who's never even seen the first one is, why did she go back? It made no sense to me. Like to be that no traumatized. Sense. Oh, especially after she prefaced it so hardcore that she did. Dude, to be no, that they, traumatized. She, she went back because she knew it needed to be destroyed. Like, she was very adamant on the fact that no one goes there to that planet because of these aliens. And now that they're there and this big queen is out. Because before, when, the, when they were there, it was just eggs. 
now you got a full-on nest with a queen laying eggs. Right. Even though she, she didn't know about the queen right away. But. but she wasn't a soldier in part one who killed this alien. She survived it. So for she her to going, go back. She was going back as like, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? A liaison? No, not a liaison. A consultant. A consultant, yeah. But she, but she, she has they, some expertise on They it. went back with no debriefing. Like, she could have just briefed them. No, it made no sense by the time they got back. And and she did brief them. You know, she tried to brief them, but they're but I mean, all like, you're, you're crazy. I mean, no debrief them once they agreed to go. Like, we need to know everything about this. It's weaknesses, it's strengths. We need to, like, know everything. No, and, but they still were acting well, like it wasn't a thing. Because they, they was, had that scene. They had a version of that scene for a moment as they're in transit. And the Marines were like, yeah, you're crazy, whatever. You're crazy. And who, they're like, but, who did, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. She was in stasis for many, many years when she got out of stasis and then they brought her in. A colony was already there. Like, colony was there for years now. He said decades. Right. Yeah. Oh, how? And so the timing of that is just so stupid to me, too. She's been in stasis for 57 years. She literally comes out of stasis. And within the same year she's out of stasis, this colony that's been on the planet for decades finally bumps into these creatures. Well, that's the coincidence. Well, that's. And that's what I'm talking about. The, the the coincidence and her going back made me feel as an audience member, we're trying to erase part one. Take whatever we need to know about part one to move forward, but we're going to erase part one. We're going to erase her experience. We're going to erase the fact that she's been gone for this long. Just just let's get us to the planet so we can get to the action is what it felt like in the beginning instead of like a part two where the story's continuing. Um, I'm not saying she wouldn't have went to the planet, for someone who would have suffered, and it's not even that, her PSD, her PTSD for her is like she just survived it yesterday. It's not yeah. like years right. later and I can't go back. It's like, I just came back. I can't go back again. That part was a hard, hard for me to, to, to go with. No, and they and they fast tracked it too. They made it the 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 film needed to make it so she'd she had some sort of personal thing where she had to overcome this thing. But but they treated it like it was years ago, right? Yeah. Right. They yeah. had to fast track it for the sake of hey, this is an action film we're doing. We need fast progression. Whereas the first one was not an action film, so the progression of the film is different. They're giving yeah. they're giving people time to evolve in the circumstances. This one just needed to listen. The action is back on the planet. She left the planet. We got to get her back to so, the planet. So, so, so the why didn't they just leave her on the planet? And then you got to watch the first one. She's she she escapes. So they really they, yeah they're trying to erase the end of the first one to no, get no, her no. back. They're no. not trying to erase it. They're, they're just okay. saying when they blow when wait, they blow wait. by emotional themes. That's them erasing. We're gonna just that all happened. Fine, fine, it wasn't fine. Wasn't that they Let's blew the by planet. it? They fast tracked it. The reason why they went to the planet, the reason why they went back to the planet in the first one is because they were, there was a signal that they picked up on. They thought there was, there was going to be a big salvage, right? So they went down there, got the egg. Um, a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it, Lawrence. But uh, <laughs> one of the one of the crew members got got the face tag on his face. They brought him back, um, and then they pretty much went back into space. So now he he ends up being, you know, the face tag gets off his face, embryos in his in his in his guts, and then you know. It burst out, and that's when all hell breaks loose. They're already in space. It's not like she was on the planet the whole time. They were there like for a brief moment for the face hugger and everything like that, just to check out the shit, and then they went back up. So that's my point. You're erasing a part of her character because she barely survived a dramatic event on a ship with one alien. Now she's going back to a planet with a colony but they, of them. 
but in they weren't they weren't equipped for that. They were just again they were they were salvagers. Whereas they convinced her that they're going back with Marines, people that was, that are going to be equipped for it, you know, because he even said, "Oh, these are some bad hombres," you know, they they're, they can take out anything. So I get the why false security. I get the reason as a character. I didn't see that development. I get the plot why why she goes back, but I don't get the how are you going back though? Like after everything you just, but I. Anyway, so so from the beginning, it was hard for me to to go on the journey um, to agree to the terms. See, know, it was hard for like, me to agree. I, to I, terms. I find it hard to, but you got to give that pass. And it's not like they didn't try to, because everything we just said here, she the, voices and or the guy voices and or we're made privy to the fact that she's going to psychiatry. We're made privy to the fact that. It's night after night. She can't get it out of her system. She wakes up in cold sweat. We know that she's going through all this stuff. And so what they did for us, they try to fast track a reason why she needs to detox. She needs to come out of this experience different than how she left the first one. She doesn't go through the rest of her life in fear, right? And they they do give us that, but it's fast tracked in a way where it's like, really? You just went through that and you're going back? (laughs) Yeah, I believe that. I believe that for a dollar. It was hard for me to get around. It's also hard for me to get around the robot using a microscope. Now, I know that robots work different, but Bishop using a microscope, I was like, maybe they don't, maybe they're just functioning things. They don't like have enhanced. <laughs> well, the technology is def- definitely different. I mean, yeah. the thing I found hard going back to this content was wardrobe was a big one for me. I'm like, why are these guys dressed like this? Why is Dude, why is Paul in- dressed like this? It felt like this is the future. So it, when you wear your suits, you pop your blazer collar up. It felt like no, that's I, the distinction I, between. I didn't understand, but all of them. They all wore them. All of them did it. It wasn't like <laughs> when I first saw him do it, I'm like, oh, that's his style. They all did it. And I'm like, that's not going to hold up. Man. But it wasn't they- future. It wasn't futuristic for me. It, and it was oddly not futuristic for me. Like the weapons were for me. I know, but even like the Marines, the Marines look like they had hockey pads on them. And it's not like, oh, yeah. like watching like watching the Matrix. It's in the future and they're in future, but their future stuff is like gritty and grungy and looks like you found that in a thrift store type clothing. And, but then, you know, in the sequels, they got some pretty cool tech. This, and you're right, it's because it's, it's a, a product of the 80s and it was 80s. such a product of the 80s is why this film doesn't hold up. It yeah. didn't make itself timeless. It made itself very specific. Well, that's the thing. And when you guys talk about the first one, stuck in a ship with a monster, timeless. We're stuck in a dark, abandoned ship. We got to stay out of the way. You can't talk about the first one like you know what you're talking about. Did I say something wrong? No, you're right. 100% okay, right. fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Second one, you want to make an action movie in the future. Already, you've, you've, you've dated yourself. Already you have like there's 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 no action futuristic movie I can think of that doesn't date themselves. It's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Especially mm-hmm. ones that are like near future, like back to, back to the future like, too. Sure. Or how many times has Skynet actually happened? Should have actually happened. Yeah, but the thing about the Terminator movies, they stayed in the present, and by the time they went to the future, it was post-apocalyptic. So it it holds up because. Nothing is futuristic. It's all just whatever we can scrounge up. Here, we get to see the future. 
you can make the argument that without uh, technology taking over everything, then the advancements in weapons would maybe not have happened either. You know, fair enough. But here we see the future. The problem we is we are the future. Well, in, in, in Aliens, you see her talk to the Borg. You see them live in their future, not on a planet, not um, abandoned. You actually see them and how they live their lives in this future. You see the food they eat, you see how they spend their time. And that wasn't specific. Yeah, but it's also, yeah, and that's the problem with it. It's, it's, not, it's not specific and it is dated. You know, if you watch Prometheus, there's interesting tech and there's interesting costuming that's a little more less specific that I think is going to, I'm not saying that movie, <laughs> I'm not saying that movie by any means is better or worse or good or bad. I'm just saying the, there's certain aesthetic choices that are made in a film that I think help whether a film's going to have longevity. You know, mm. does it, mm. is this a timeless film? And some films work because they're specific and they're not necessarily timeless, but they're so perfect for that content when it was that I don't think that was the case in this, in this movie. The things that don't hold up are the things that are really specific. But I think that was the point of the movie, right? It wasn't no. to make this movie so. like the first one where it's just this horror film and it's just going to stand. That's what it is. It was the point was to capitalize in this moment, in this time, drop these toys, make this big franchise to automatically make something strong for its time. I don't, but, I don't, know, about, I don't know about that because James, James Cameron's a dope director and we all agree that yeah and i don't think that his mo was just to necessarily sell out to make a film you know and so certain choices were made it felt so dated watching Mm -hmm. the film remember this is the james cameron without the success of terminator movies so although he's still james cameron he's still cameron success but he still had success i mean you just said not to tell not to tell executives where they can shove it yet He's not nec- that's that's wardrobe and costuming choices. And a director is involved in those decision making skills. He might not have final approval, but also keep in mind this is this is a film that is seven years after the thing that preceded it. The war but the wardrobe and costuming changes, you guys saw this in the eighties. It probably was great, right? It probably was like this is how you would imagine but, but, it would be. But even in the eighties, it's not got a futuristic element to it. And, and that's the thing about it. The thing about classic is less is often more. So if we're going to, and that's what kind of works with Prometheus. You look at the most uh, rich person, he's got a simplicity to his costuming. It's, it's almost timeless. His wardrobe mm. is less, not more. And that is always going to pay dividends in the long run as far as longevity of a film, I think. Especially you're dealing with a sci-fi futuristic element, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like it's even set in on the on Earth. It's set out in space. It's set, and you have characters talking about other creatures and other people that they've come in contact with, right? What's that whole like? There was all that at the dinner scene. They're making sexual windows about who and what they were messing around with, and oh, that was a dude, not a a female version of whatever that thing was. And so it's and it's kind of the only oh, one that's like that was that. Yeah, that, no, they were talking about. That was that was another colony. They weren't talking about another alien. That was a whole other colony. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Sensish, kind of sensish. I thought the commander was the dumbest commander in the world. Oh yeah. Um, but it felt like dumb, like 
Like, I, I was pretty shocked at the lack of character development with the characters. And I felt like this is the dumb commander who makes Ripley have to, like, not be the hero she's supposed to be until this moment has to happen. Like, he just felt like you're just dumb and you're brash and you're making bad decisions just because we need you to be dumb and brash and make bad decisions. Like, I don't get where you're coming from. Why are you such a jerk? Like, what's happening? This is content coming out of a time when, listen, if I'm being real honest, it's probably some of the worst cinema that's come out is late 80s, early 90s. That's not exclusive. It's not exclusive. (laughs) not being exclusive. There's a lot of great content. But if you're looking at bulk of content, this is the time when everything's kind of very stereotypes. They're yeah. archetypical characters, they're stereotypical writing, everything's really formulaic, um, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. a departure from what preceded in the 70s, and it's and it's not where we're at now. Now we're in such a, everything, it's micro gestures, it's uber realism, everything is kind of got this poignant heartbeat to it for the most part. That's, the, that's where we're at now in 2020, 2020s. The 1980s and early 2000s, I don't know, man, it was a departure from what uh i think a lot of decisions were i don't know we've come a long way we were gritty in the 70s then things got real action-packed and big budget and kind of stereotyped in the 80s but then the 90s came we got back to that grunge tarantino kevin smith kind of indie feel 2000s we kind of went back to (laughs) big action tent poles and now we're kind of like in this interesting middle ground well we're bringing humanity to the tent poles which isn't to say that that wasn't happening and that is evident in these films. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly it's evident in Sigourney Weaver's character. It's it's evident. Her and a, the daughter's that. story. Okay, now let me ask you guys. In the first movie, was like her daughter significant? No. Or there's no, there's no daughter in the. Yeah, you didn't know she. Had so she doesn't talk about the daughter she left behind while she went on this mission. Daughter doesn't come up at all. No, no, no. no I don't wow, know. that was created for this movie. I mean, I could be, I could be missing that detail, but if it is, it's like a photograph at one point. It's not a big yeah. thing. Because I think what it was like, they weren't out there for like years on end. Like they would go out, get a signal, go do the salvage, and then come back. But not even like miss her daughter. Just establish there is a daughter. Uh, they, they, I, don't, I mean, again, like Jack said, I could we, I could have missed it. it could, I could have been like real small, like just quick little blip, and that was it. But I don't remember. Yeah. That's, that's the whole heart of this film is this her and this little girl. Well, you know what's funny is, did they even address what happened with her kid? Uh, yeah, she died. She died. Like, that's right. Like, yeah, like that 60. was like real quick, but if you if you look at like the special release, then they they talk more a little bit more about it. But I think it was like it was like a real quick thing. Yeah, yeah. Even in the uh, in this one, like she I don't died know, died of like old age. At. Yeah, she like she she aged out pretty much. Yeah, it aged out. I talked to her like she's like freaking hard. And it's funny because, like, for me, it was as the movie began, we have, like, Ripley with all this PTSD. But then for me, as the movie went on, it felt less like she's been through this before. felt like more like she's going through this for the first time. And she remembers certain things, but just how she's responding to things isn't like someone who, for her, did this a couple months ago. Ah, man, you'd be like, ah, hell nah. Back in the ship. Back Back in the the ship. ship. Or Or when the commander says, put your guns away. Like just responses you would have to someone who's fought these monsters before. I wasn't seeing that in her. Their blood is acid. 
You can't shoot close range or just she, like stuff. She, she said that. But also she, when she was dealing with these things the first time, yes, their blood is acid. They spit acid, that kind of stuff. But um, she's not sitting there shooting them with machine guns or the equivalent of machine guns where they're spraying their blood everywhere like that. But, I needed know, her so, experience level to justify why she had to go back. But they also don't give her that. That's my point. And, and I wanted that from the story. It's like, why? But that, was, but that was the conflict. That was her conflict. You had the money people higher ups to validate her. You have the Marines that are sent to do the job to validate her because she's a woman. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And that was the conflict of the script. And, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because James Cameron is a guy who – and it's one reason why I really – I think his content's so good is – he personifies female he- heroines, you know, and this is a classic Sigourney Weaver being personified as the the female heroine in this story. And mm-hmm. yep. the trope, the trope at the time, though, and and still still today, sadly, is that women are devalued and devalidated simply because they're a woman. And we see Which is that. Real. Yeah. I know it is. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's sad. But that was such a large source of conflict for the first half of the film. Right? I'm with that. The things that they created for the film, I understand. It's that I didn't feel like this is someone who's been through this before. I'm not talking about her performance. The story, on the, the, the words on the page, the script didn't feel like this is a character. Even when she sees the aliens for the first time, it was so action-packed. There was no moment of like post-traumatic stress. There was no moment of, I saw you massacre my whole crew. And not because no, the actors- No, that's they, they did. They did. When it was ripping, when the alien ripped out of the person's Dude. body for the first time and they torched it. That's what I'm saying though. It's not that they didn't have the elements. It was just all fast-tracked. Then right. they didn't have it. Because I'm not talking about they didn't shoot the scene. I'm talking about the emotional stakes that one has to have. Because I'm I mean, watching somebody sat, who's gone through this before. Shot, um, they did sit in the shot. It was there. Just not a lot of it was there. But when that when they came up to the first person who was still alive and kind of cocooned and the alien ripped out of its chest, they cut to Sigourney Weaver having a PTSD moment of recognition of what she'd gone through on the other ship experience. So they did give it to us. Then what happened though? Really quick. And they went back into action. That's my point. Like if the movie's about Ripley and Ripley's having these moments to cut out of those moments, it's like, then what's, what, what's the movie? You, you hit the nail on the coffin and it's why the film doesn't hold up. This is not a film about the protagonist. It's not a film about the protagonist literally doing the one thing she's come here to do, which was clear her emotional baggage from the first experience. Because we don't see that progression. Mm-hmm. We don't see her usurp her fear to step into something more profound. It's just not what the film is about. This film is a it sacrificed content for action. And so we're following a group of Marines. And that was the selling point. The selling point of the toys were send in the Marines. I, I hear it echoing in my head every time I think about the movie. Send in the Marines. That was mm. how they marketed the thing. Wow. And so and so her, yes, she's the lead. Yes, it's about her, but it's not. This was an action film based off of how we're going to do these action sequences, and it's why the content, in my opinion, doesn't hold up. I think that if this film was about her progression, and you saw that character transformation, and you saw her overcome this life-changing fear, then we'd be having a very different conversation that might actually transcend CGI, costuming, 
all these other yeah. guys in the film. It, but it's the like stories there. For me, I what, what does hold up for me is when she was like in the queen's nest with the eggs and with a little girl, and it's, it's it's just like everything is still, and you see her just walking slowly. I'm like, give me that, that. You need just to watch the first one. I know I do. And then when the queen came out after she torched the eggs and I'm watching them fight, I'm like, thematically, this is rich. It's literally mother versus mother. They're both mothers fighting on behalf of their children. And I'm like, this is the movie. This is the theme. Both women, both mothers, both queens. And I'm like, it took to the end for me to go like, ah, I'm with you now. So then from that, from eggs to the end, I was with it. The stakes were high. I knew what she cared about. I knew what the villain cared about. The villain wasn't just this faceless thing. It was like it had a reason. I was with it. The right. android got torn in half, but still reached out to grab the little girl before she went through. I'm like, ah. I think now all of a sudden, it. these things aren't just Marines. They're the people. What are you saying, Rachel? Sorry. I think what they were trying to do was build up to the aliens, which they just didn't perform well. Kind of like because I remember in Alien, you didn't, you really didn't see the alien all that much, and when you did, it was like real quick. Jaws, man. Yeah, don't keep that thing away. Yeah, the most time, the most you've seen it was like at the end when it fully revealed itself, like sneaking into the ship. But for the most part, you just saw maybe like the head real quick, or like when it grabs someone and snatched them up, or something like that. Like you know, which is so scary and makes them powerful. But I'll even say this, Jackie said it earlier, with a good, with strong story, we'll, we'll accept bad CGI or data special effects. So when I saw that queen come out, because I was so invested past the egg point, it was perfect. Like the costume was perfect. I don't care. Because I was with that it. That was the it, other thing that worked so well about the first one is they really let the audience do a lot of work for them. Mm-hmm. Because the content was there. We filled in the deficits of not having the monster in a lot of cases. In the sequel, it's all about the monster and monsters, you know? Yeah. And they're killing them so easily. Not easily, but it's like, it's a whole horde coming after them. Where in the mm-hmm. first one, it was just one, right? It was just yeah. one. That's what she said. She goes, one one thing tore apart my entire crew in less than 24 hours. So when she says that, I'm already mm-hmm. going to this planet like, I don't believe any of this. I just don't. You guys should not have walked off this planet. If they're setting up the alien to be that, that, and I know they're Marines and they have weapons where in the first one they were just scavengers, but still a planet full of them. That one element would have actually helped the film and its longevity, I feel like. If if the Marines going into it had higher stakes going into it, then they wouldn't have felt like buffoons getting thrown to the fodder. But because they all disregarded our hero and, and the audience has the benefit of having seen the first movie, with the exception of Lawrence. Yep. We know that what she's saying is true. So we want you to validate her and take it serious. Now, if the but Marines we, take it serious going into it, then they got to fight harder when it goes south. But, but that's they, such a trope of the time because we've seen in other things where the Marines or the people going in don't listen to the person that's trying to warn them. Like, I feel like in every 80s horror movie sequel, we kind of bump into that trope. Freddy's yeah. real. Trust me. No, he's not. Shut up. He's going to come. No, he's not. Shut up. And then he comes well, and he kills everybody. That's, that's what I'm saying, too. <laughs> and, and when you examine content of the time, I do feel like there is a content, specifically the content of the content deficit that happened in the late 80s and 90s. Yeah. Sacrifice. Man, I'll say this last piece. It was hard for me to watch. And I'm coming in as a first time watcher, but I will tell you when she walked in that lair from the end, the last 20 minutes, I went from like trying not to check my phone to 
glued. All the best stuff of the film is in the last 20 minutes. That's 100%. And all Rich. the iconic things. The, the, the other thing the, the, was... The, the exosuit. The exosuit, yeah, and it's exosuit. the first time we're seeing the queen. Yeah. The queen yes. alien was iconic. I mean, oh, when yeah. they introduced that. Yeah. All the best stuff is definitely in the last... When they made the queen alien, this is what, like, set it up for me. When they made the queen alien tell the aliens to fall back. Mm-hmm. When she did that for the eggs, I got stakes. I got what she wants. I got that she can think, that she's not mindless. And from that point on, I'm like, I'm ready to see that. I want to see this battle now. Faceless, yeah. mindless things chasing you. I mean, we we still, I mean, there's so many movies that are still in that trope. We, I mean, we talked about Tomorrow War is pretty much that, but in the future. Yeah. Um, but to see a queen that's like, fall back, I'll let you go. I'm like, man, this should have been like in the beginning. <laughs> and then see where we go from here. Mm. Oh, that was dope. That, that that was fantastic. Rich, do you have any um final thoughts? I mean, again, I still love the movie. I don't care. But uh I'm I'm looking at these toys and you know that that movie definitely was like I'm getting flashbacks of when I was a kid looking at the back of the cover of the of the toy packaging. And yeah, like none of these aliens were in this movie at all. Like there's a gorilla <laughs> alien, there's a bull <laughs> alien, a scorpion. My, my my brother had the scorpion alien. And like none of these movies, except for the Queen Alien, was ever. Um, none of these aliens were ever in this movie. Except was there for an animated Queen. series? Did a cartoon ever come out? I don't think. I don't remember a cartoon. No. Yo, I say oh. this: there has been some great alien content. Just great. I mean, Dead End, the fan film, Dead End. Fan film. Is, I mean, there's so many books and comic books that, there's that, a that Superman, have. Superman. There's a Superman comic book, and I was looking for it when we were at the DC, but it was actually published by a different company, so they didn't I, I have think, it in the vault. Didn't Batman fight aliens? I know he fought yeah. a Predator. Uh, well, he fought, he fought Predators. He probably fought aliens, too. I feel like they've yeah. popped up. Well, DC crosses over into the alien verse in a few things, so it's definitely yeah. probably happened. I mean, and I love the idea, like, they're they're not from that planet and they didn't pilot the ship that brought them there. So there was some scout ship from somewhere. I think Prometheus kind of touched on like how all that came to be. Jack, final thoughts? If people are interested in watching alien content, I would recommend watching the original before I recommend watching the sequel. Mm. Uh, The original actually might hold up. I'd have to go back and watch it. I haven't watched it in several years, but I think the content is probably... A little more timeless. You might have to do a look back on that. I'll say this. I think that uh, if you guys want to see like the birth of James Cameron, the birth of his ideas, um, I would definitely say watch this because, I mean, if you want to see the seed of Sarah Connor, you know, she's all in this. If you want to see the idea of the Terminator coming to protect the child, like it's all in this. You can see the birth of so many of his ideas, um, which is dope. Uh, I think it's time. I think it's time. I think it's time for some recommendations. 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 Since we went back into the 80s and we jumped into a sequel, not the first one, I want to talk about some sequels that are definitely worth the watch. And at this time, I think people might have said this was better than the first one because Mm -hmm. of the timing, big and explosions. I want to talk about some sequels that arguably might be better than the first movie. First up, and I'll say this, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. If you haven't seen it, you have to. That is actually, it's great if you've seen the first one. But if you haven't seen the first one and you just want to jump, you can jump into Judgment Judgment Day and you will not be upset. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. 
real you know quick. What? That movie holds up. Yeah. Fun little saying. fact. The first time I saw Judgment Day, Terminator 2, uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, it was also the first time that I watched Laserdisc, if anyone remembers those. Laserdisc? Laserdisc. They were like the size of, they were like DVDs, but the size of like records. You had yeah, one of those at nice. your house? No, no, no. Shaolin had one. You watched that at her house. Shaolin. Oh, friend in the neighborhood. Wow. Yeah, they have money. <laughs> they have money. Um, another one that is arguably better than the first one, The Dark Knight to Batman Begins. Ooh. Dark Knight to Batman Begins. I would say The Dark Knight is better than Batman Begins. And if you miss Batman Begins, you can kind of just jump in The Dark Knight if you had to. If you can only watch one, you can jump into that. Jack, you said Ghostbusters. I, I would not say Ghostbusters 2 is better than part one. Okay, well, hold up. Let's go back to The Dark Knight. I'm sorry. The thing sorry. about the, the only fault I've really ever heard people fault The Dark Knight with was there was too much content. <laughs> and how can you be angry about that when the content not, worked? I'm not. I'm not. I If you can make a dope movie, I'll watch a dope movie for five hours. I'm good. Yeah. It's dope. Yeah, Snyder proved that. Absolutely. Absolutely. His 10-hour uh, redo of Justice League. <sighs> Rich, there's not going to be an episode. <laughs> well, we are not going to be jumping on with Zack Snyder. Um, and guys, that is the only things I can think of that where you have part twos that are almost unanimously better than the part one. I can't think of anything else. Those are my two recommendations. If anything comes to mind, say something, but I don't have anything right now. Yeah, no, you know, often the sequel is less. Here's what I've noticed in films. If they have a bad sequel, they normally have a great third movie. Like Die Hard is a, gr a really good example of really solid first film. Mm -hmm. What the hell were you thinking with the sequel? Right. Holy F bag. That third film's incredible. I agree. I guess you can say the same thing for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Although I love Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Like that's my indie. That was the first one I saw as a kid. But then Last Crusade. Last Crusade. On. I mean, Come that's on. better than the whole. <laughs> that's better than the whole thing. It's better than Fantastic. the whole franchise. Whole that's franchise. arguably not even an argument. Man. Uh, Y'all don't like the Crystal Skull? Oh, that did exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're making a new one. I hear they're making a new yeah, one. Yeah, they're making it. I think it might be his last one, though. I think he said it was going to be his last I, one as Indy. I can't wait to see it just because Harrison Ford come back as Indy. Talk about things we don't deserve. Like, we don't deserve that. I, either way, we don't deserve it. Like, what's happening brother, my, my brother was on uh, Cowboys and Aliens. He had some interesting Harrison Ford stories. Cowboys and Aliens. Wow. For some reason, I like that movie. I don't know why. I, I do, do know why, Rich. I, I can look at your whole movie collection and tell you why you might have liked Cowboys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, we have such a great time talking about these things. Thank y'all so much for listening. Check us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram, Three Brothers and A Shot of Milk. Like, subscribe. We are dropping stuff like every day, all day. And also, give us a follow here. Download these episodes. Tell your friends about them, man. We have so much fun talking about this stuff. We will see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Peace. Peace. That might be Christian in the background. I don't know if you're hearing. Kid. Always blame it on the kid. Jack, that's oh, the best man. part of having kids. You blame them for everything. Why are you late? My kid. <laughs>